Hey, this is Mike Brake, and I'm the pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. I want to say thank you for stopping by our podcast today. We really do believe that you're only one step away from the relationship with God that you've been wanting. So I hope the message today gives you encouragement, gives you some vision so that you can take that next step towards freedom. Enjoy the message. Did anybody hear the story this summer about the uh, soccer team that got trapped in the cave in, in, in Thailand? Okay, so sometimes you experience something or you see something and that, that story just took off and it captivated not just that, the nation, but the whole world came together. These boys were trapped. It's a miracle, miracle that they even found them. And then when they found them, they were still alive. And then the whole world sent their best. Nobody asked how much is this going to cost to save these kids who aren't even ours? They spent all of this time, all of this effort, um, all of this energy. One man even gave his life trying to rescue these kids. It was a miracle all the way through. Fascinating story. I mean, they're going to write books about it, movies, interviews. that They're going to be talking about this, those who were those boys who were in it, those who were on the rescue mission, it's something that they're going to talk about for the rest of their life. Captivating. As I watched that unfold and has been kind of thinking about that story from this past summer, uh, got me kind of thinking about the church. What if the church really rallied around its rescue mission that, that it's on? Just like these guys strategized and they spent their time in, in effort. Because when you think about it, there are, there are people who are trapped in darkness. They're, they're in a cave, spiritually speaking, and they can't get themselves out. They need some help. And guess who God has assigned to that rescue mission? Jesus paved the way. He made the solution, but he sent you and I on a rescue mission for the lost. And so today, as we continue our series, Finding Freedom, you found Freedom Church, but quite honestly, we were working on things that God values, that Jesus said, things that he did, that we are trying to put in place, not only in our lives, but in this church, some of the big things. It's not just what we do, it's like, why do we do these things? And all of these things, we've talked about, uh, one, his church, we've talked about um, getting into relationships and serving. And today we're going to talk about missions. Why are we even doing these things? That's who God is. All of these things reflect the nature and the character of God. You see Jesus live it out in his life. And then we want to reflect that in our lives as well. Bill, how's it going? Awesome. Uh, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. You're, I was like, I'm hoping, hoping. So today what I want to do, I want to look at the life of a, 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 a one of Jesus' best friends, Peter, one of the 12 disciples. And I want to pick up in Acts chapter 4. We're going to be kind of like an airplane sermon in the sense that we're going to take off eventually, but we need the taxi on the runway for a little bit. So hang with me. I know a lot of you guys are always kind of like, are you going to ever land the plane? Can we land the plane today? Yes, we will land the plane. It's going to take us a while to, 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 to take off here. But um, we're going to jump around as we look at uh, Peter a little bit. I want to start in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 20. In Acts chapter 4, verse 20, uh, we get this, this quote. It says, We cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. 
I've experienced something, I've seen it, I've heard it, I can't stop telling people about it. Well, who made this quote? It's Peter and John. And in this chapter, Peter and John are on trial. The religious people, the Jews of the day, the authorities of the day, have arrested John and Peter because they healed a man. They healed a man who had been lame since birth, it says in, in, in Acts chapter 3. Not lame like boring and, and, and that, like lame as in like he needed healing. And they healed the man. And they did it in the name of Jesus. And then they started preaching in the name of Jesus. And the same guys who killed Jesus heard them talking about Jesus. And they're trying to end this, this Christianity thing. So they take Paul, they take uh, Peter, and they take John, and they arrest them. They say, in what power? Who, how did you do this? And they say, we did it in Jesus' name. And they say, well, we can't deny that that's a bad thing, but stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Just don't use his name anymore. And they say, we cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and we have heard. Listen, guys, we have had a front row seat. We've seen it all. If you've ever had a front row seat, it's pretty amazing. I got to experience uh, the first major sporting event that I've been to where I got a front row seat. A couple weeks ago, my son and I, we went to a St. Louis Cardinal baseball game in Denver. And StubHub, thank goodness you can look at the seats and you can find deals. And then I found one, lo and behold, was a front row seat. And we sat there and it was amazing. But even better than a front row seat, Peter and the disciples had a backstage pass. I mean, they got all access to Jesus. Jesus would, would, would preach a sermon, and then later on it would see, well, later he would be with his disciples, and he would explain certain things. They had more than a front row seat. They had a backstage pass. Think about it. When Peter was, was initially called, his occupation, he was a fisherman. And, and, and Scripture says that he was, he was out casting nets and he was fishing and then jesus came along the rabbi the teacher and said hey come follow me and i will make you fishers of men career change see at some point all all good jewish boys and girls would go to jewish school in their local town and you would have a local rabbi and a, and a teacher that would that would teach them and a lot of times it was a lot of memorizing the Old Testament, memorizing the Torah, because they didn't have books, they couldn't, they couldn't read, so memorization was huge. But only really the best of the best got to continue on in school, got to follow a, a rabbi, a local teacher, and, and, and be underneath them. And those who didn't make the cut, guess what happened? Went back to the family business. And then at some point, Peter was told, hey, hey you, you're not quite making the cut. You're not going to continue on here as a good Jewish boy. You're going to go and follow the family business. Now the rabbi, the teacher, Jesus, he's coming to the fishermen. Backstage pass. Follow me. Learn from me. Become like me. And think about everything that Peter and all those disciples had witnessed, they saw healings. They saw Jesus, the Word, reading the Word, preaching the Word. They saw, they saw Him feed the 5,000. Peter got to, to actually walk on water, if you read in the, in the Scriptures. He walked on water at one point. I mean, he got 
to see Jesus in all aspects. And he saw his death. He saw his burial. He also saw his resurrection. And after his resurrection, and they got to spend some time together, Jesus ascended into heaven. It records in in Acts chapter 1, that ascension into heaven. And right before he leaves, right before Jesus ascends into heaven, says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Wait in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit's going to come. I'm going to go. And right before he leaves, his parting words are all about this rescue mission. He says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, great. Jewish territory, kind of hometown area, we're okay, we're good. Throughout Judea, okay, good, still within Jewish territory, we're, we're good here. In Samaria, ah, oh, wait, whoa, 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 time out, time out. Samaria, we go, we go around Samaria, Jesus. We kind of we don't like one another, those, those Samaritans. You know, you told that parable once about the good Samaritan, and that got a lot of the Jewish people upset because we don't like Samaritans. They're not good. Oh, but I remember in Luke chapter 4, instead of going around Samaria, you went through Samaria and you found the woman at the well. And she, she met the Messiah. She, she, she met the, the one who, who gives living water. And then she realized, guess what? I'm on a rescue mission. And she went back to her hometown and she invited people saying, hey, I found the Messiah. And those people got saved. Those of you got saved in Samaria because Samaria matters. And not just Samaria. We don't just stop there. But no, we're going to continue to all the ends of the earth. And this has been God's redemption plan from the beginning. From the beginning has been for all nations. This meant to them, not just the Jews, all the non-Jews, the Gentiles. God came on a rescue mission for them. He ascended into heaven. And about that time, Scripture says in in a few verses later, there's about 120 believers. 120. That's it. Lifesavers on a rescue mission. 120 on this mission to change the world. I used to, as a kid, have lifesavers, and um, I I love them. You get those and get all the little flavors and you pick out your, the ones you don't like and give them to your buddies and you pick out the ones that you, you do like. But these guys, they got it. They understood that they were on a rescue mission. They understood God didn't just save me from something. He didn't just save me from my sin. He saved me for something. And we are to go and spread the gospel. And this is one thing I want to to really emphasize with you guys today. The gospel doesn't just change you. The gospel doesn't just change people's lives. The gospel actually gives life. It is the way. And it gives life to people when they are trapped, when they don't have any hope. The gospel message is the thing that gives life. It doesn't just change lives. It gives it. In these 120, they understood that they were lifesavers on a rescuing mission. And Peter, Peter in Acts chapter 4, is right in front of the Pharisees, right in front of the, the religious leaders saying, I can't stop telling people 
about it. But it wasn't always that way. You know that? It was not always that way with Peter. Because not only did he see all of these things happen, but on the night Jesus was arrested, on the night he was on trial, Peter followed to kind of to witness and watch, and he stayed kind of outside the gates where he could still see what's going on, but not necessarily, but also kind of at a safe distance because he had changed all of his career to follow this man. And now the writing's on the wall that it's done. A moment of, of defeat. You can imagine yourself in this situation, how scared you would be, how defeated you would be, how uncertain and questioning everything of what you've seen and what you've heard. And, a, and then someone comes along and says, hey, you're one of them. No, I, I, I don't know what you're talking I don't know these guys. <laughs> I'm just kind of, there's a thing going on. No, 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 no. Servant girl, servant girl, it says, comes up to her and says, comes up to him and says, no, you are one of them. And he denies it again. And they say, no, you, you, you're Galilean. You, you sound like one. You look like one. Like, I've, I've seen you. You are. And he denies it a third time. Peter, in a tense moment, a stressful moment, in an uncertain moment, in a defeated moment, in a, in a desperate moment, denies even knowing Jesus. Probably one of the lowest moments in his life. What I love about this, as, as, as tough as this is for Peter, this is how good God is. I think this is potentially one of the greatest leadership moments moments in Peter's life. Because Jesus had called him and said, hey, you're going to be the one, you're going to go build the church. And here he is kind of denying even knowing the man. But you know, and I know, our failures, I, I don't think God wants us to fail, but God is so good and he is so gracious and he is, he is so powerful that he can take your worst moments and your greatest failures and actually use that and turn that around to where it can be one of your greatest catalysts to where you've tasted defeat, you've tasted failure, and you're like, I don't want to taste that anymore. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, one of my favorite verses, speaks to this, because Peter not only saw all those things, he not only denied Jesus, but after the resurrection, some angels, some angels were there at the tomb, at the empty tomb, and they told the ladies, said, hey, go and tell the disciples including Peter, this isn't on the screen, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. Mark 16, verse 7. Now, Mark, we believe, wrote the book of Mark, but we believe that Peter, by tradition, um, actually was the one kind of telling Mark what to write. So in many ways, Mark is, is ascribed to, to Peter in his account of Jesus. And what's interesting, of all the resurrection accounts, because they all talk about it, Mark, chapter 16, verse 7, is the only one, Peter's account, that says, go and tell the disciples, and it includes the name of Peter. And Peter. Such a redemptive phrase. Go and tell the disciples, and Peter. That I'm alive. Peter, it's okay. Peter, I know, and I love you. You're still the leader. It's all right. Because it said that Peter 
once he knew that he had denied Jesus, he remembered that Jesus had predicted it, said he broke down and he wept. And that's the beautiful thing for you and I. When we get rid of our pride, even in our worst moments, and we break down, God can heal. God can restore. We try to fix it and we try to make it right and do all these things. No, 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 no. Just break down. He handed it to Jesus and he healed him. So now, same situation. Just a couple months later, he's on trial. His life is on the line. In fact, it's worse now because he doesn't have just a servant girl trying to point him out saying, hey, you're associated with these Christians. You're associated with this Jesus. No, now, now Peter is on the front lines. He's healed a man in the name of Jesus. And they want to know, by what power did you do this? We want to know. Is he going to deny it? Or is he going to step up and learn from his failure, learn from his lesson? Let's take a look and see in Acts how it records it. By what power did you do this? In verse 10, it says, Let me clearly state to all of you. I'm not denying nothing. Let me clearly state to all of you and all of Israel. Tell everybody, this one, that he was healed. This man was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but on whom God raised from the dead. Peter's not denying anything anymore. He's, he's actually calling them out. He's like, no, I was there that night. That night I saw it like you were mocking him. You crucified him. You were the one spitting on him. You were, I, I saw you there. You did it. And it was by God, the powerful name of Jesus, that he was raised from the dead, that he was healed. There's power in names. You go to a, you go to a restaurant, you got your reservation, and everything's all packed out. But then let's say LeBron or Oprah or Trump. Like, you're going to lose your seat if they come in. Like, oh, I'm sorry, we, we got a special guest here. See you guys out of here. There's power in names. But... There's only one name. There's only one name where demons tremble, where demons flee, where people can get healed, where miracles can happen, where lives can be taken from death spiritually to life, where lives can actually be taken from death physically to alive again, and it is Jesus. And he's telling these guys, that's who did it. That's who did it. I'm not backing away anymore from everything that I've seen and heard. He says, the members of the, it says, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name, no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. And it says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness, the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training. That phrase, no special training, in the Greek is idiotes, which is where we get the word idiot. You just thought there was idiots at church and you didn't like them, but you're like, hey, surrounded by a bunch of idiots. Well, <laughs> we're all in good company here. Ordinary men. They're just ordinary men. Idiots in the scripture. You don't have to know all of the Bible. You don't have to know all the scripture. You just got to know Jesus the powerful name of Jesus, and that is it. They were amazed at how bold these guys were, untrained in the scripture. Peter, I realize you were just a fisherman. 
you didn't make it through the school and all the training. You're, you're un, unskilled, untrained. You're idiotes in the scripture. But he knew Jesus, and they recognized what? The next verse says, and they recognized that these men had been with Jesus. There's no denying it. Yeah, we were there. We were with them. And then in verse 20, we cannot, we cannot stop speaking about everything we have seen and we have heard. Jesus is their source of their strength. Jesus is the source of their boldness. Those 12 kids trapped in that cave, those rescue workers that helped in that effort to get them out, I guarantee you, they will not forget what happened and for the rest of their lives, they will be talking about, they will be asked about to give an account what went on during that time. Church, what if, like the 120 lifesavers that were gather, gathered in that room in Acts chapter 1, what if, what if we owned our calling like they did? What if they, we owned the fact that we were sent on a rescue mission like they did? And they went out and they lived it. They went out and they, they served and they, they, they went out and they got into relationships and they did the hard work. And they went out and they didn't just go with, oh, well, I'll, I'll live it. No, 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 no. They also spoke it too. Church, what if we did that and owned it? It would start transforming lives around us. That is the whole reason and purpose that Jesus came. He came on a rescue mission for you and for I, and then he left, and he gave us his Holy Spirit, and he says, now, once you have the Holy Spirit, you have power. The same, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit, now is inside you. So you're not doing this on your own strength. You're doing it on God's. And he says, you're going to go be my witnesses. Tell people about everything that you have seen and that you have heard. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down. And Peter gives up, gets up and he preaches a message. And there's a lot of people in, in Jerusalem in that time that are from out of town. History tells us that there would have been in that season for that festival, a lot of people from out of town traveling to Jerusalem. And, and it says that they spoke in tongues, which sometimes we get this a little bit twisted, but it also says that they, they, they spoke in languages where all of those people who spoke different languages, they could clearly understand what was being said. And so, by a miracle of God, they were speaking in different languages, their own native tongues, where they could understand what they were saying. And they accepted the message. Well, guess what? You guys speak languages that I, that I can't necessarily speak. Teenagers. You speak teenager. I can't speak teenager language. Some of you guys are, are, are scientists. I cannot speak science language, but God has placed you in an environment. He has placed you not on accident, but very much on purpose in the area that you are in, in the cube farm that you are in. I used to work in a cube farm, and I was like, man, why do I got to, I, like, I hear everybody's business. I don't want to know everybody's business. I'm not doing this, but at the same time, when you understand why God has, has put you there for a purpose that's not an accident, all of a sudden, you can, you can love on people now. 
You can serve people. You can pray with and pray for people now in the environments that you are in. You can speak the message clearly because you speak the same language. You can speak that gospel that I can't speak. God has placed you in your classroom, in your teams, and in your work environments on purpose so that you can be a light on a rescue mission, speaking the gospel message clearly. That's what God wants. He wants that message spoken clearly to other people. They did that on Pentecost. And they said, we cannot stop telling you about everything that we have seen and we have heard. I've read a lot of books on church leadership. I've read a lot of books on church growth. You want to know one of the, the most effective ways to get people to hear the gospel? Besides telling your own story, which is good, invites, personal invites, as you build a relationship, as you just love people, inviting them to a small group, inviting them to a cup of coffee, inviting them over for dinner, inviting them to church. People are much more receptive to come to church if you invite them. There's no, no necessarily, you don't have to like debate them into the gospel, debate them into heaven. Just like, just come and see. Just come and see. And uh, when Peter was first called to Jesus, it records in John chapter 1, Verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So Andrew had met Jesus, Peter's brother. And the first thing he did, it says, Simon Peter's brother, one of these men who heard what John, John the Baptist had said, and then he followed Jesus, he met Jesus. Andrew went to, say this next word with me, find. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon Peter, and told him, we have found the Messiah. And then Peter Meets Jesus. One of our values here is found people, find people. Like he, the first thing he did was he went and he went to go find his brother. And then the next day Jesus was, was continuing on. He met Philip. Philip started following Jesus. And in verse 45 it says, Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? One of the best evangelism things that have freed me up for evangelism. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. Philip didn't try to debate Nathaniel. Philip didn't try to go through, well, let me go through the Romans road and all of these things. None of those things are bad. He just said, just come and see. Come meet Jesus for yourself. Come and see. That has freed me up a ton. Because I'm not the one doing the saving. Jesus is. Just come and see. Here's what I can promise you. If, if you invite someone to Freedom Church, we're going to do our best in the children's ministry. We're going to do our best for the people volunteering with the welcome, with the greeting, and setting things up to make this a welcoming environment. To, to, to allow people to come and see. And we're going to do our best to make a clear and compelling gospel presentation. That's the task of the church. And we're going to let God and pray that God will do his thing. I guarantee you they're going to hear the gospel, and I guarantee you they're going to feel something. They're going to feel God in this place. They may not accept the gospel. We can't do anything about that, but I know they're going to feel the love of God when they come. 
And we're going to work our butts off if you invite a friend to not embarrass you, but to love on them and create a welcoming environment for them. That's the mission that we're on. And we want to create that environment for you to help you be on that mission. One of the other things I like in this time, in this season, pumpkin spice lattes. Anybody else with me? Okay. All right. Did you get yours this week? They went on a little bit early. I got mine six bucks and it was delicious. Okay. I, I it was like, yes, I've been waiting for it all year long. I had it. What if, what if I had my pumpkin spice latte? I'm so excited. They call my name. I get it. I'm getting ready to put on the lid. And then as I do that, someone bumps into me. And, and now I'm hot, not, not only because I got like coffee spilled all over my shirt and ruined my shirt, but like I'm, at the very least, I'm going to be upset. Like, why are you bumping into me? But what if I turned in that moment and I looked around and I noticed that the person was blind, like they had glasses on and they had a, had a cane and they're walking. They couldn't see where they're going. My, my, my anger very quickly in that moment would, would turn to compassion. He couldn't see where he was going. There's one word I want to leave you with, because I think this is the heart of God. This is, he went on this rescue. Why are we doing all this? Because it's so uncomfortable. It's so awkward. We get into relationships with people. We get outside of our comfort zones, and we serve. We get on this rescue mission, and we tell other people about Jesus, not because we're trying to build a big church, not because we want to pack this place out, this is the heart of God. This is, all of these things are his character and who he is. Scripture says, Scripture says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, Satan, who is the God, lowercase g, of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're blind. They're trapped in a dark place. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. All of these things. God has compassion on the lost. You don't want to, hey, you're blind, you ran into me, you ruined my coffee and all this stuff and you're in my way. No, 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 no. He loves them. He died for them. We do these things because they're worth it. They're worth it to God. They're worth it. To Jesus. Scripture says that most Christians, most Christians, not Scripture, I'm sorry, statistics, say that most Christians won't share their faith. About half of them will never share their faith. And even more percentage of that will never see anyone step from death to life through their, through their testimony, through their interaction with them. I don't want that for you. I, the gospel gives life. And I guarantee you, because the times when I've done it, when I've seen people step from death to life, not only does it give them life, but for everybody around, whoever is involved in that person's life, it gives them so much life, so much strength, so much encouragement. The gospel is what gives life, and that is our mission. Thank you again for listening to the podcast at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. A few next steps that you can take coming out of this. One is head to our website and let us know just exactly how we can help you take your next step. 
Also, if we have had a positive impact in your life or in your family, and you want to partner with us financially, you can go to our website and click Give. That will get the message out so we can impact more people through this ministry. And finally, click the subscribe button. That way you know you get the latest content from the podcast, as well as rate it, review it. That will help get the message out to others. Hope you have a a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening.